0: Hi, you're listening to 10 Minute IS Paper. My name is Blair Wang. Today's paper is called Social Media in Times of Crisis. Learning from Hurricane Harvey for the Coronavirus Disease 2019 Pandemic Response. By Milad Merbabay, Deborah Bunker, Stefan Stieglitz, Julian Marx and Christian Egnisch. Published in the Journal of Information Technology in 2020. So this is another paper about the role of information systems, IS, during COVID-19. Previously on the podcast, we featured a paper that also spoke about the role of IS during COVID-19. But that paper was focused more on IS in general and discussing broadly the liquid modernity perspective. You might want to go back and check out that episode. But this paper here is looking at a specific instance of information systems for a specific aspect of the pandemic. And it actually draws on previous learnings from another disaster, not a pandemic, but a hurricane in the United States in 2017. Why that disaster? Well, that disaster only took place three years ago. So it definitely took place with the same, or at least very similar usage of social media. That's something that we have in this pandemic that we haven't had in previous pandemics in human history. What happens when we have social media in a pandemic? Well, it really affects the way that information about the pandemic is distributed. One of the most difficult things in the midst of a disaster is keeping everyone informed. Things change every day and we want to inform people, not only so that they have a sense of control and uh, staying up to date with what's happening in the world, but also that we may want to ask people to change their behavior. That's been a big feature of this pandemic, that the recommendations from the scholars and the experts and the scientists will change and that we need to let people know that, for example, they need to start social distancing or they need to start wearing face masks or that uh, there's new lockdown laws in place and so on. Before the advent of social media, the distribution of this kind of information was really in the hands of certain organizations who have been delegated the privilege and the responsibility to vet messages and then to disseminate it into the public. But we're now living in the world where anybody can hop onto Twitter, can hop onto Facebook or whatever social media platform of choice And they can start essentially conveying the news in fact we're living in a world where a lot of people primarily get their news from their social media feeds and that's really a double-edged sword because on one hand and i quote from the paper social media platforms hold the possibility to augment emergency warnings crisis response actions information seeking and broadcasting collecting donations hierarchy free collaboration these are all great things On the other hand, and I quote again, social media platforms can facilitate rumors and the spread of misinformation, end quote. In other words, fake news. And the thing is, as participants in social media, it's not immediately obvious when we see something to do with COVID-19, whether it's from the first category, which is good, or the second category, which is dangerous. So what does that do for our sense-making, our ability to make sense of the world around us? That's a phrase that you've heard me say before. And in this paper, the authors unpack this idea of making sense of the world around us in relation to the pandemic. So to answer that question, the authors first have to define some of the theory behind how people make sense of things. There are three concepts, the first of which is sense-making. I mean, that is to make sense of the world. So the way they define that is, so they give a few definitions, but the one I think makes the most sense, Um, page 198, it's about forming and supporting mental models involved in understanding a problem that needs to be solved. So making sense of the world is to be able to have some representation of it, some model in your head. The second idea that the authors introduce is sense giving. We often have various different ways to make sense of the world, various different models and sometimes competing models. Sense giving is when someone else advises us on which of those is the preferred definition of reality. This is when we switch on the news or when we go on social media and someone says maybe you thought that COVID-19 works like this but actually it's less likely to infect you if you are for example under the age of 10 now sometimes of course sense giving from other people isn't Correct. Um, I remember in the early days of COVID, there was this wild rumour that if you could like hold your breath for 10 seconds and your lungs don't hurt, something like that, then it proves that you don't have COVID. And that's an example of someone doing sense giving, uh, but not necessarily in a factually accurate way. So the third idea that the author has introduced here is sense breaking. And what this means is when you do receive sense giving, you then have to reorient yourself. You then have to adjust your mental models. Sometimes it means you have to kill off an entire mental model in favor of a competing model. So between these three concepts of sense making, sense giving and sense breaking, what the authors are most interested in is sense giving because this is what happens a lot on social media. So in relation to Hurricane Harvey, what the authors looked at is how sense giving happened on Twitter. They downloaded a lot of data off of Twitter from the 26th to the 31st of August, the relevant hurricane period of 2017. And they identified, for example, whether tweets were coming from emergency management agencies or media organizations, political groups and unions, individuals, including celebrities and uh, commercial organizations, and also whether the information was being started, amplified or transmitted. You can kind of go between pages 201 to 205 to look at all the data crunching that they did but i'm going to jump straight to the findings because i think that's probably the part you're most interested in what the authors basically found is that there's two types of sense giving in a crisis situation there's what they call perpetual sense giving and there's what they call intermittent sense giving the perpetual type is perpetual because it's constantly coming through from the media, from emergency agencies, whose job it is, is to constantly give you a cycle of the latest updates. For example, during COVID, that's your local government agency pushing out daily tweets about the situation with the increase in cases, or hopefully a decrease in cases. On the other hand, intermittent sense giving happens from people who don't constantly, perpetually uh, post about, for example health or pandemics or government policy, but during a crisis, they will suddenly come out and use their high profile on social media, use their reputation as a platform to also get involved with the distribution of information. And the impacts of the two groups are different. Whereas the first group, the perpetual sense givers, they're very good at generating new information because they have that privileged access to news as it comes out. Because they post so frequently, there's a lot of noise as well. They don't quite have the reach into everyone's lives. On the other hand, most people prior to a crisis were probably following some influencer or some famous person or even just individual people in their friendship groups, in their social networks. And these people have this extraordinary ability to take a message that the perpetual sense givers put out and to amplify it, to transmit it. And the way they do that is different as well. The perpetual sense givers, their power is in their authority, their factuality. But on the other hand with the second group with the intermittent sense givers their power is in their different ways of communicating with influencers for example that they add their own opinion to this that they emphasize for example that this message is really important or even to use humor to use certain expressions that reach certain groups whereas the perpetual sense givers can start a message well they don't have the same power to transmit and amplify that message and to disseminate it across society so how do these insights help us with the covid19 pandemic well one idea is that you get these two groups and you get them to collaborate, to work together. You want to make sure that the first group, essentially the authorities, have a clear message that it's put out nice and early, because then you can make sure that you give enough time and enough clarity for the second group, for the influencers, for the individuals to tailor that message, to think about how to leverage their own profile, their own reputation as a platform, to retweet it, to share it, to make sure that it gets out. In other words, the best work happens when the first type act as, and I quote from the paper, information hubs of authoritative character, and when the second type use their status to affect public discussion. That's page 208. The authors do mention that uh, this hasn't been done necessarily very well, that, for example, a lot of the advice about social distancing wasn't communicated effectively according to this pattern. But going forward, not just for this crisis, but hopefully for future crises as well, this vision of an effective arrangement of perpetual sense-giving and intermittent sense-giving is something that we can do much better to really help people in an accurate and timely way to make sense of the world around them. This has been an episode of 10 Minute IS Paper. Thanks for listening. The music on this podcast is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. And generously licensed under Creative Commons. You can find out more about this podcast at www.tmisp.org, and you can reach out to me, Blair Wang, at www.blair.wang.